We are on Ksubis Samach Gimel, Amaral 63a, as we begin a new Mishnah. Our Mishnah will discuss what happens when the husband or the wife are not interested. They refuse. They refuse to do something. The Gemara will discuss what exactly are we referring to here. But they refuse to do something. We know. We've been discussing for the past few months the different obligations that the wife has towards her husband. She has to do various uh, work for her husband. We know the obligations that a husband has towards his wife in terms of providing uh, many things. But uh, on a biblical level, uh, the top three are uh, clothing, food, and to be intimate, to have sexual relations, in addition to the other rabbinic obligations that a husband has to his wife. What happens when... They refuse. Now what? Now what do they? Now what do we do? So this is the Mishnah that we're, that the topic of this Mishnah. Hamoredes abayla. First, we discuss the wife. If the wife is moredes, she rebels against her husband. Now we're not sure exactly what, what are we referring to here. So the Gemara will discuss that. But posen lamik subasa shivadinar and bishabbos. The Mishnah says the first opinion says that we deduct from the ksuba. She receives a certain amount for her ksuba. So the fine, the penalty that we place upon her is to deduct from the ksuba seven dinarim, a certain value, which we will discuss probably next week, a week. Every week we deduct another seven dinarim. Rabbi Yudah uh, Shiva Tarpikin. Rabbi Yudah says also seven, but of a different uh, amount. Again, we'll discuss uh, that dispute uh, probably next week's stuff. Uh, but it's seven. Why seven? So there's different opinions between the Yerushalmi, the Jerusalem Talmud, and the Babylonian Talmud either because uh, it's one for every day of the week, or p- perhaps it's because seven reflects the fact that she has seven obligations towards her husband. Not that she's rebelling uh, for all seven, but that it's, uh, it's a, it's a simon, it's a sign to the fact that she has seven obligations towards her husband. Okay, that's why it could be seven. So, so we, we deduct and we deduct and we deduct. Until what point in time? Let's say it all runs out. What happens now that it all runs out? So the first opinion says, Ad keneged ksubasa. Until the, there's no more left in the ksuba. She would receive nothing. Once she would receive nothing, they then get divorced, and she does not receive her ksuba. She would not receive her ksuba. That's what the first opinion says. The second opinion says, No, they could stay married. No, we start deducting from other sources of income which she may receive. She might not receive it, but she might receive an inheritance, a large inheritance from, from a relative, uh, or potentially in a case where she does extra work, so then it becomes her money. There's different situations where she receives her own money, and Rebios is of the opinion that we would deduct it from her money, from anything that she makes, uh, or that she receives as an inheritance. The first opinion says, no, it's only deducted from the ksuba once uh, that uh, empties out. She, she no longer receives anything from the ksuba. So then they would have to get divorced. Rabbi Yossi says, no, they could, uh, they could stay married and we continue to deduct it from elsewhere. Now, before we continue, we know that there's the opinion of Rav Meir, who we follow, who says that uh, when it comes to the ksuba, we have to maintain it at 200 it cannot, or 100, depending on uh, if it's a first marriage or second marriage. Uh, we, uh, we're not allowed to lower it. Uh, if we lower it, your mayor has the, has the phrase that it's like 
when they have uh, sexual relations, it's like it's bi'ilas nus. It's like it's uh, sexual relations outside the context of marriage. It's very much necessary. It keeps the the foundation of the marriage together. It's harder for uh, they can't get divorced as easily. Um, so that it allows for the sanctity of the marriage. What happened here? But over here, uh, we, we lower the ksuba. How can we lower the ksuba? So there are different answers that are given. Just one approach, potentially, could be that, well, in this case, if, uh, if we continue with the status quo, where she is rebelling against her husband, we want them to get divorced. So if the whole purpose of the ksuba, or the primary purpose of the ksuba, is so that it's not easy to get divorced, well, now we, we might want to help facilitate the divorce. And so therefore, it wouldn't necessarily be a problem to lower the ksuba. Okay, that's what happens if she rebels. What happens if the husband rebels? Again, we don't know what they're rebelling about. That will be discussed momentarily in the Gemara. But if he rebels against his wife, So then we add to the ksuba. Interestingly enough, we don't add seven, like we deduct by the wife, we deduct seven. Here we add three. We had only three. Perhaps this is the reason why the Yerushalmi, the Jerusalem Talmud says, that the amount is really based off of how much of an obligation they have because the wife has seven obligations, seven activities which uh, she is responsible for, and the husband on a biblical level at least, there's more on a rabbinic level, but on a biblical level he has three obligations as we mentioned in the beginning. Okay. That is the end of the Mishnah. Again, two parts of the Mishnah. The first part of the Mishnah is what happens when she doesn't listen to uh, her husband and doesn't follow her, her side of the deal of what she is expected to do for the marriage. And we deduct from the Ksuba. And then the second half of the Mishnah is what happens when he rebels, when the husband rebels against his wife. We'll see exactly what that means in the Gemara. But he rebels against his wife, so then we add it to the Ksuba. She gets, receives more to the Ksuba when they get divorced. Okay, so says the Gemara, the big question. What are they rebelling about? What exactly are they refusing to do? Two opinions. Rufuna says it's when they are refusing to be intimate. It's when they're refusing to, be, to have sexual relations, when they're refusing to be intimate. So that's what the Mishnah is referring to. Now, Ravuna is saying that as opposed to the second opinion. The second opinion says that it's even, as we will see this in the Gemara, we don't know about this yet, but we'll see this in the Gemara, the conclusion of the Gemara is that he, the second opinion says that true, it's talking about a case where he or she is rebelling to be about being intimate, but it's also about any of the activities which they're obligated to do. So the wife has certain activities, has certain work responsibilities that she has to do in the home. So if she refuses to do that, the same penalty applies. That's what the second opinion says. Rufuna says, no. We, it's only, it's limited. This whole mission is limited to a case where she is rebelling with regards to Tashmish, with regards to having, uh, being intimate. Now, just to point out, Tosos explains why doesn't Rufuna say the mission is also when she refuses to uh, do certain, uh, to do work that she has to do. So it's potentially Rufuna is following his own opinion because we, we've seen elsewhere. This is what Tosas explains, the classic commentator on the page. He's explained that Rukhunjavuna, she has the right to back out. She has the right not to do the work. And that as she says, I'm not going to work for, do this work, so then I also won't receive sustenance from my husband. She has the right to do that, according to Ravuna. Not everybody agrees, but at least Ravuna says that. So therefore, she's not rebelling against her husband. She has the option to say, I'm not going to be involved with this. 
don't pay me, don't provide me with sustenance, and I won't uh, do this work. So for Ravuna, that wouldn't be a form of rebellion, potentially. Okay. So the Gemara wants to know, we have this dispute. Well, could we prove one way or the other to see which, what is the case of the Mishnah? Is it talking about a case of where she, she, he or she refuses to be intimate, or is it a case where she refuses to do work? So the Gemara says, let's bring a proof. Well, the Mishnah also, the second half of the Mishnah, discusses a case where he, the husband, is also rebelling. So in one way is the husband rebelling. How is, how is he rebelling? So the Gemara says, I understand if he's rebelling from being intimate, that makes sense. But if it's having to do with work, he is not obligated to do any particular work uh, for his wife, to do any household chores. That's not his obligation. So the Gemara says, no. What he means is that he refuses to provide sustenance. He refuses to provide sustenance. Uh, and she's working for him, and he refused to provide sustenance. So then we we add on to the ksuba as a penalty to, to get him to, to try to incentivize him to to start providing with sustenance. So we, we add to the ksuba. Now, it's also interesting. Tosfos over here it adds that when he has an obligation to provide sustenance, this is different than a regular ob- monetary obligation. When it comes to the regular monetary obligation, let's say I borrowed money from somebody. I have to pay them back. Okay, when the time comes to pay back, if I don't have the money, so I have to wait till I get the money. Am I obligated to go work to get the money? The answer is no. I'm not obligated to go out of my way to work to get the money. I should have the money. It's wrong for me not to pay. But once I don't have the money, I'm not obligated to go work to get the money. It's once I get the money, so then I have to pay the bar, the, the one who lent it out. So that's my obligation. But that's not true, explains Tosvos, when it comes to providing sustenance for one's wife, to one's wife. That a, a husband has an obligation, not just if they have the money and the means uh, to provide sustenance to, to one's wife, but even if they don't, they have an obligation to go out and work. That's the husband's obligation, to go out and work, and he proves it from Argamara. That's what Argamara says. This is a form of work. He has an obligation to go out and work so that he makes money so that he can provide for his family. That is part of his obligation. Okay, so interestingly, this is different than a regular monetary obligation. So he does have to go work. So the Gemara says, what? Whoa, slow down. You're telling me that the case is where he's not providing sustenance for his wife. But Rav says, in such a scenario, we don't, we don't add to the ksuba and they stay married. They have to get divorced. Rav says they have to get divorced. So the, and and she, she has to receive her ksuba. But they have to get divorced right away. So the Gemara says, no. No. When Rav said they have to get divorced, it means... After we spend time to, to, to try to get him to change, we want to get him to change so that he, so that he does provide sustenance to his wife. We want them to stay married. So that process, during that process, every week that passes, more money is added towards the ksuba. He has more of an obligation. He has to pay more towards the ksuba. But that's all to incentivize him to really start providing sustenance right here and right now. Uh, and that's really what we are trying to do. Um, and so... We are still have this dispute. We have this dispute between Rav Huna and Rav Yosef Rabbi Hanino. When we talk about rebellion in the Mishnah, are we referring to being intimate, rebellious in terms of being intimate, or rebellious for the wife in terms of her doing her the responsibilities in, in the home? Or are we talking about his obligation, he's refusing to fulfill his obligation uh, 
to provide sustenance to his wife. Okay. The Gemara now wants to again prove it. We're on the bottom of Samachim Al-Manal of 63a. The Gemara wants to prove it from the net following Brisa. Mesevet. Achas li arusa v'nesua afilu nida afilu chol afilu shemeres yavam. That these rules all apply whether they are halachically engaged or whether they're fully married, whether they're sick, whether she's sick, whether it's a shomeres yavam, a situation where the brother passed away, the husband passed away without any children, and so now there's yibam is waiting to take place between the deceased's brother and the deceased husband's wife, and so there's also a connection there. So even in these cases, there's a concept of uh, a penalty on on rebelling to to uh, to to provide the the necessary uh, uh, work or needs. So when it comes to somebody who's sick, I understand why it mentions Tashmish. Because even if one's sick, the point of the Bryce is to say, even if she's sick, she could still engage in a sexual activity if the husband wants. And if she's refusing because she's sick, she could still engage in it, and that's a form of rebellion. So then that would make sense. But if she's sick, turning the page, if she's sick, she can't work. She can't work, um, and since she can't work, we must be referring to here to a low-level uh, illness where she could have engaged in sexual relations, but it still prevents her from working. So that's a sufficient excuse. We wouldn't penalize her for, for being sick and the fact that she can't work. So it seems to be that we're talking about, about uh, the fact that she's rebelling with regards to being intimate. So the Gemara concludes... Every, in the end of the day, we pointed this out before, in the end of the day, the conclusion of the Gemara is everybody agrees, nobody argues, everybody agrees that when it referred to her rebelling or him rebelling, the wife or the husband, definitely it's referring to a case where they're rebelling in terms of being intimate. Is the mission including also a case where they're rebelling in terms of their other responsibilities, their financial or, or work responsibilities, well, that's, that's a dispute. Rav Huna says no. It's limited only to being, with regards to rebelling, being intimate. And the second opinion says yes, even in those cases where she's rebelling in, uh, in terms of uh, the, the, her work, or he's rebelling in terms of he's, he's refusing to provide sustenance in those cases as well, that our mission is also referring to those cases. But everybody agrees, so that's a matter of dispute whether it's referring to those cases, but everybody agrees that rebelling is, at the very least, uh, referring to rebelling in terms of being intimate. Okay, we are up to the two dots on Samach Gimel, 63b, and we'll continue with the Gemara in the next class.